a Friday edition of Ask LOJ, All-Star Style. What do I do this weekend in Salt Lake City? How did Lowry become an All-Star? Who's the favorite in the West? Do we have something in Taylor Horton Tucker that people don't know about? Stories, more and more, plus points gained on a Friday. It's all coming up on today's edition of Locked on Jazz. You are Locked On Jazz, your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It is the February 17th edition of Locked On Jazz. I am David Locke. We will take you through your questions. You've submitted with Ask LOJ, always a highlight on a Friday. Plus, I do want to look back at the finisher, the marksman, Lowry Markinen and how he became an all-star and what happened this season to let that happen. That should be the lead story of the weekend as the NBA world is upon us in Salt Lake City. Plus, we'll ask a bunch of your good questions about cap room, Taylor Horton Tucker, all-star events, and then we'll look at our Friday edition of points gained at the all-star break. I'm David Locke, radio voice of the Utah Jazz, Jazz NBA insider, and this is Locked on Jazz, your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz, give you insight, expertise, geeky numbers and hopefully making it way better to be a jazz fan each and every day thanks so much for making locked on jazz your first listen of the day we are free and available on all podcasting apps as well as on youtube you can join the community by and join the group by subscribing following hitting the bell to be notified uh whenever happens this episode is brought to you by fanduel sportsbook the official sportsbook of locked on make every moment more visit fanduel.com slash locked on to the today to get started. So we've talked about this a lot in and out and back, but I do want to kind of visit Lowry, the all-star. It's a great story. Um, it's not as crazy uncommon as I think we want to make it that a player kind of clicks in at 25 years old and becomes a better player and has a, a you know, a late first all-star appearance. Not everybody's LeBron. Um, I do think it's unusual that you have a guy come from four years in Chicago, frankly have Chicago give up on him, they go to another team, and then their third team in five years, in, in their sixth season, is the team. That's That, I think, would be the part of this that's unusual. The story, Eric Walden told it well in the Salt Lake Tribune, I think you've probably heard it a lot this year, is that you know he goes to Finland in the offseason, he has this incredible um, Euro camp, and then he explodes. I think there's more to it, frankly. Um, I think there's a lot to it about Lowry and as I've gotten to know him and and kind of dug into who he is. Um, the first part about it is, as Will Hardy said the other day, he's a beast. Like, And I think the most important thing from a jazz standpoint, there's nothing fluky about this. Uh, we were interviewing Rick Carlisle who, um, about Lowry the other day, and Rick Carlos says, you know, when he came out of the draft, and I don't remember why this would be, that Dallas had the ninth pick that year. He's like, so we we tested him and looked at him. He, he's a testing marvel. You know, we, he says, we, look, we dug into him pretty deep, right? So Dallas ends up taking Dennis Smith Jr., two picks after Minnesota, really Chicago, took Lowry seventh. We talked to Tom Thibodeau this last road trip, who was the head coach in Minnesota, and they trade that pick to Chicago for Jimmy Butler. You know, both of them talk about this guy who's coming out of college who's athletically elite, physically unequaled in by almost any other NBA player, 
coming into the league. And then you back up to like, okay, so let's take that piece of the Lowry marketing puzzle. Like, you don't just become an all-star. Like, to be one of the 24 guys that gets to play on Sunday in Salt Lake City, you have to be pretty special. Well, seven feet, 240, with the strength and power that he has along with the game is incredible. He's from a basketball family in Finland. They're all coming out here. They're all be here for the All-Star game. All, all His three brothers, or I think two brothers it is, um, his mom and dad are all coming from Finland to the All-Star game. When, when talking to Lowry about his family, he talks about just this incredibly close-knit group. His dad played at Kansas for Roy Williams. His mom played for the national team. His brother played for Dynamo Dresden in Germany. Like, again... There's something pretty special athletically going on in this house. Long before he ever comes to Chicago, Cleveland. And the other one that I think is interesting, he, he's the baby brother of three. Which I always believe and I'm a huge birth order believer. We've talked about this before. The youngest always turns out to be the best. Athletically. And he he's really tight with his family. And he says the hardest year of his life is the year in which he goes to Arizona for a single year. So he goes to Arizona for a single year. He then goes and gets drafted and dropped to Chicago. And, you know, we've talked about this a little bit, is he gets dropped to Chicago in a, in a pretty poor situation. Um, and if you look back at the 2017-18 season, you know, he opens the year... Playing 30 minutes every game right out of the shoot at 19 years old. And if you look at his opening 10 NBA games with not much of a clue, he shoots 43% for the field, 36% for three, and 15 points a game. That's incredible. Um, he has three double-doubles in his first 10 games. He has six double-doubles in his first 18 games. Um... Like, you go look at his first 24 games of his NBA career, he's averaging 15 points a game, and his shooting percentage begins to drop down to 40%. I mean, he begins to struggle a little bit. He's 18. I think at this point, you're now dealing with a with a 18, 19-year-old who's having his first struggle of his NBA life. Or of his, actually of his life, probably at 20. He gets married shortly thereafter, and he actually has his first kid. He got married in um, 2017. So, you know... He talks about how hard it was to move, how lonely it was, how out of... Well, he he gets married right away in 2017. And in 2018, they have their first kid together. Now you got a guy who's 21 years old, who's married, raising a kid in Chicago. And in the midst of this, he's being coached by Fred Hoiberg, who, eh, we'll see. And then 24 games into the season, he ends up being coached by Jim Boylan, who kind of universally was not a good NBA head coach. Like, let's just not kid ourselves. By his fourth year... He's now with Billy Donovan, and he's just lost. Second year, we've talked about this a tremendous amount, is that his second year, he he comes through this whole stretch, and he gets the ball, and he gets all these opportunities, and then in the, and, and then talking to Lowry, like they go to Finland, and they tell him he's going to be the team, and that they're turning it over to him, and he's ready, and then he gets the camp, and it's just completely different. It's just completely different. It's nothing, it's not what they said. It's, it's not true. Um, they're not giving him the ball. He goes from taking 15 shots a game to taking 11. No one in the NBA history has ever liked that. Okay, so now it's a bad experience with a bad head coach. 
And by the time he leaves in 2021, talking to Casey Johnson, then of the Chicago Tribune and now of NBC Chicago, it's an untenable situation. So how does he become an all-star? So I think that's all important because all of the skills are there, all the signs are there, all the pieces are there, and the environment's bad. Life adjustment is going on is super significant while the situation's bad, and he's pro- and he's somewhat unsettled. He gets in the best shape of his life, he said. He goes to Finland, he has this unbelievable start. And then you know what happens? Somewhere along the line, he believes. And that, I think, is the key to this. Will Hardy's talked about that he literally had like had to look at Lowry and say, like, you know you're our best player. And Lowry, somewhere along the way this season, believed he's the best player. And, you know, did it happen in the third game of the year when he dropped 31? No, because he's done that a bunch of times. But, you know, by the eight by by the time we go to Fe- we beat Phoenix by one, he goes 15 of 18 and has 38, maybe, in the 17th game of the season. And he's so humble, I don't know we could ever get him. Is it when we, you know, we go to we play Chicago and lose, he drops 32 kind of with a vengeance. We had 38 against Detroit in Detroit in a pretty awesome performance. Somewhere along the way here, and there is I've heard from the players that there's like a meeting where like the players literally look at Lowry and Will looks at him as like, oh, like Jordan has talked about it. Jordan's talking about like, oh, I saw him like knew he was our best player. Like Colin Sexton's talked about in the Eric Walden piece, like, oh, I knew, I knew. Like I was telling everyone like, look, wait, look out what we get. Um, it was um, some, some really like interesting moments here in the year that lead to this guy being an all-star. Team collectiveness deserves a lot of credit. Will Hardy deserves credit. But really what it right comes down to is here you have this guy who's a beast, who who Will Hardy called a beast, who, who Rick Carlisle called an athletic marvel, who gets in bad situations and now finally gets in a situation, but then most importantly, maybe because of his success with the Finnish national team, maybe because of the head coach, maybe because of maturity, maybe because he's been married now for you know six years with two kids and his life's just settled. Um, he explodes and believes. And to me, that's really the story of Lowry, Markin, and Season is that he believed that he could be an all-star. So I wanted to get that out there. I think that's the most important story of the week. Um, And I think there's a lot more to come from him. And that, I think, is part two of that story, is that all of those things about him, nothing about this is a fluke. Nothing about this is him peeking out at being an all-star level. Like when Mike Conley made the all-star game, it was wonderful because you kind of knew there wasn't another step left in his career. This is a totally different story. This guy's got another step, and it could be super significant in his career. Uh, We'll get to ask LOJ next, fire through him, and try to get to points gained as well. Thanks very much for making Locked on Jazz your first listen. Today's show is brought to you by Murdoch Hyundai, located at 4646 South State Street, also located in Logan and in Linden. The SUV lineup is led off by the Palisade, which is just a gorgeous, gorgeous vehicle right now. You know, if you're watching the golf this week, that uh, Hyundai is the same company as Genesis. And so that Palisade is actually the Genesis, but just a little different. Um, Maybe not quite as expensive and maybe not as many bells and whistles, but still incredible amount of bells and whistles. The Motor Trend SUV of the year is 2023 is the Ionic 5 All Electric. We have purchased it. It's great. It is all electric. We haven't bought gas, which is super nice. It also drives great, has every little thing you need. That's all available for you as well. The SUV lineup runs from the Kia, excuse me, yeah, from the Kona, excuse me, I said the competitor's name. That's bad. I've now said everyone's name other than 
Hyundai. Uh, the Kona all the way to the Tucson, to the, two, to the Santa Fe's, and then up to the Palisade. The Elantra and the Sonata are there. The Elantra was the North American car of the year last year. It's all at Murdoch Hyundai, located at 4646 South State Street. Stop by, email me first at dlock09 at gmail.com. We'll make sure we get you that VIP experience. Today's show is also brought to you by our friends over at FanDuel. FanDuel is the official gambling sponsor of Locked On. Excited to have them aboard for you uh, this year, FanDuel is the also the official sports book of the NBA, or one of the sports books of the NBA. It is America's number one sports book because new customers get the no sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's bonus bets back if your first bet doesn't win. Just download the FanDuel app. It's safe, secure, and super easy to use. Then you go bet on everything from the money line to point spreads to threes drain. Build your success Build your favorite NBA bets, whatever it might be, point spread, points, rebounds, all the rest. Go to FanDuel.com slash locked on. Get the no sweat first bet, $1,000 in bonus bets when the FanDuel.com slash locked on. Thanks so much for making Locked On our first listen of the day or your first listen of the day. Greatly appreciate it. All right, let's get to your questions in our uh show today oh wait look at this the first question comes in from someone named um david Locke. what why that guy decide he needed to chime into the show what does he want to know he wants to know at the all-star break with about 20 games left who do you believe represents the west in the nba finals is this crazy it's wide open at this point i think you actually have to go denver uh who has the best record in the west five games ahead gonna have the number one seed jamal murray's gonna be better after the break but it's interesting. You watch Memphis. Do you buy Sacramento? Do you buy? Do you believe Kawhi and PG can link it together? Is Kevin Durant really like 20 games? Is that enough? They have 22. Is 22 games enough for Kevin Durant and Phoenix to figure it out? Dallas is 0-3 since Kyrie hovering around 500. Pelicans, Zion, will he ever come back? I watched Minnesota last night. They look way better, but not title contender. The Warriors are still hovering at 29 and 29 without Steph. Maybe it's Denver by just literally the process of elimination. Who knows? Uh, If I were to come to Salt Lake tomorrow in the afternoon for a few hours, I think this was today, uh, where should I go? So I'm probably going to do the same thing. I'm just going to head down. I don't have access to anything, actually. I'm just heading down as a normal person. Um, I have one jazz party, but otherwise, not much. So... Ryan's vision and dream on this is, you know, really NBA Jam being recreated. And so if NBA Jam's being recreated, I would head down, crossover event at the Salt Palace. Um, I think there's booths all around Third West. Uh, The Gateway's got a bunch of stuff going on. Uh, So I, I just would take the time, walk down there, take it all in, spend some time, enjoy the vibe and the energy um, but specifically, I probably don't have a great answer for you. Do I, you know, that whole NBA Jam Salt Palace is what Ryan's vision uh, and most important thing was. So I think that's it. Obviously, the events that are going on at the arena are hard to get into and expensive. And he wanted to make sure that it was a, a viable choice for people, um, even if they didn't have a lot of money to spend. Uh, is this a good offseason to have cap in for the Jazz? Is it more likely the Jazz uh, back, take a bad contract or sign someone? So... I think any offseason is a good offseason to have cap room in the NBA because the league is so fluid and you never know what's going to happen in six months and who's the next person to opt out and it gives you such flexibility to get involved. Um, in regards to free agency, the way you've asked it, I'm just also not sure that any offseason is a good free agent offseason for us. Like, we're not a free agent destination. There aren't very many free agent destinations. 
So I don't think we'll be a place where people sign, but the cap space allows us to have great flexibility in what kind of trades we make. It allows us to um, get involved in a bunch of things. And if there is a player that, you know, we really like and think fits well, that would be like just above the mid level, we can go get that player. But the problem with the max contract and the big deals is that, you know, you're now asking the player to come to Utah instead of Miami, wherever for the exact same amount of money. If we wanted to make it so that, you know, cap space really mattered, you get rid of the max contract, then you could just pay more than everyone else. Um, as a fan, would you rather have two reserve all-stars in your team or one all-star starter? I'd rather have two reserves because the all-star starters voted by people that probably don't know. And you have two all-stars instead of one, you're much better off. Do you have any insight into the specific type of players the jazz will look for to fill, uh, open roster spots with? Well, we let Leandro Balmaro go yesterday. I suspect, I don't know. I suspect Leo might have a European deal or something like that. Um, so let's keep an eye on where Leo ends up. You don't usually wave a player like that. That's like not a spite wave. Leo's one of the great kids of all time. Um, that's a like, hey, I've got an opportunity for my client to go do something and actually play. Can you guys let him go? Um, type move. Um, and, you know, you're probably not picking up his option at the end of the season, so aren't we kind of done? Let me go find his next spot. That, that feels like an agent maneuvering his client, not the team being frustrated with the player. Um, so we'll see whether that turns out to be true. Um, I don't know what we'll do. I mean, uh, we'll probably just kind of keep monitoring the open spot, but 14th and 15th roster spots are fun to talk about with little dividend um, over the time. If you had to pick one other all-star to pair with Lowry Markin on the Jazz, who would it be? Giannis. Nikola Jokic? Luka Doncic. Um, probably Jokic or Giannis. Probably Giannis. Giannis plays so hard and just commands such authority. So I think Giannis would be the one other all-star I would take. Though Jokic is so great, it's pretty hard not to take him. David, what two players do you think would be the best to fit alongside Abaji, Markinen, and Kessler going forward? Um, so Corey, you're really good. And this is Corey Woodland. He sends us a lot of stuff. Good person. Um... I don't think I'm putting, I'm not sure, the, I'm not sure I can go with the premise of this question. So, like, our big three is not Kessler, Markin, and Abaji. Like, Abaji's an NBA player, Kessler's an NBA player, Markin will probably be part of our, our big two or big three. Like, and we're probably going to have to try to do this with depth. Um, like, if you look at Memphis, I would say their big three is Desmond Bain, Jaron Jackson Jr., and John Morant. Like, okay, I'm not convinced that Yet on Abaji that he's Desmond Bain, though that's probably his upside. And I'm not convinced that Walker Kessler's Jaron Jackson Jr., though that's probably close to his upside. Uh, I am convinced that Lowry Markinen is one. So I I'm not I don't think I'm putting people alongside those guys yet. Um I think I'm putting guys, you know, over time, hopefully we're drafting or acquiring players that are major, major pieces to this puzzle. Um, you know, Jamal Murray. Nikola Jokic, Aaron Gordon, like, we need, like, I don't think Abaji or Kessler is Jamal Murray yet. Um, or or maybe, you know, we'll see. So, I, I guess my point on that is I'm not sure that I'm putting them alongside them. I think it's, like, I'm putting Abaji and Kessler alongside whoever I'm adding. Um, and I don't know who that would be yet. Like, realistically, it's probably a draft pick or if somebody uniquely becomes available we weren't expecting. Why, despite vastly med uh, more advanced medical science, are we no longer have 
Iron Men in the NBA interested in like Ron's opinion. Uh, will Zion ever be healthy? So a lot of questions there. So, um, well, I actually think the advanced medical science is why we don't have Ironman. Like, that's actually why. We figured out that being an Ironman, Ron Boone's incredible, was actually probably not good for most of our players. And the players' careers were having injuries that were getting them ending their careers at the six-year mark instead of the nine-year mark. So I think that's, I think that's actually more of what's going on there than anything else is, is that the medical science is actually proving that. We're also just playing the game very differently. If you go watch an old game, um, I saw J.J. Redick and dog got in a fight over this like the guys who go watch the old game before you start telling me how great it is and go watch the old game before you tell me how much more physical it is and go watch the old game before you tell me there's actually better defense like you first of all they're guarding 15 feet and in and now we're guarding 35 feet and out it's just so much different and it's so much harder on the body now and there's so much more rotation and there's so much more jump stops and there's so many more stutter step stops closeouts than there ever has been before. The, the, we're asking out of the NBA body. It's just so much harder than it's ever, ever been before. So I I find, you know, I think that medical science actually has figured these things out. Uh, more Ask LOJ still coming, and uh, we'll try to get points gained here uh, as well for you. Uh, today's edition of Locked on Jazz is brought to you by Nissan. The most electric player of the week is brought to you by the all-new all-electric 2023 Nissan area. Our most electric player has got to be Lowry Markinen for the whole season. His that What we talked about earlier, his force, his elegance, his stunning power, all match that of what the area 2023 all-electric area brings for Nissan. Elegantly powerful might be the perfect way to say it. He's got the touch from the outside. He's got the power going to the rack. He's beginning to learn how to divide a defender's body. And he delivers night in and night out. That is our Nissan Most Electric Player of the Week. He's the Electric Player of the Year. It is our friend Lowry Markinen, the all-star starter Lowry Markinen, brought to you by the all-electric 2023 Nissan area, which packs Pin your seat to the power. Premium intelligence all in one EV. The all-new, all-electric 2023 Nissan area. The EV for people who love to drive. Shop now at nissan.usa.com. Today's show also brought to you by Built Bar. The macro's incredible. The taste unbelievable. The protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. It's actually tasty with 100% real chocolate across churro, peanut butter, brownie, coconut, almond, Whatever it might be, it is Built Bar. All you need to know is you're getting 130 calories, 17 grams of protein, and only 4 grams of sugar. You can stop by your local Walmart now and pick up a 4-bar box of cookies and cream, double chocolate, or coconut puffs. And if you're close to a Sam's Club, you can grab a 13-bar box with Hit Flavors, Brownie Batter, and Churro. Or you can go to Built.com and plug in the promo code LOCKED15 or locked on 15 it's not entirely clear these days and the new double chocolate is available for you with all the protein as well lemon dip cheesecake and the grasshopper cookie is back which i absolutely love the grasshopper cookie so i'm pretty fired that one is back brownie batter puff a big win as well it's all at built.com at your sam's club or at walmart thanks so much for making locked on jazz your first listen of the day Locked on NBA Big Board. Great way to catch up on the NBA draft and all that's going on uh, with that for you. All right, let's continue to take some more questions. Um, 
Love these. Why do the NBA still have divisions? Uh, why doesn't the NBA eliminate back-to-backs while keeping the same ga- starting day, month, ending day, month by removing some of the NBA games? NBA TV re- revenue keeps going up, so a few less games won't kill revenues or payroll. I mean, Keith Conley with this question, this is being asked a, a great deal all over the place, um, of whether we should shorten games. It was kind of a question that got asked to Will in a bunch of press conferences over the week. Um, players, Kevin Pelton has the data. Players are missing back-to-back games. Um, Will's answer was like, well, this is why it's a team. We give guys opportunities. I actually go the other way. I think we should bring back divisions and get rid of conferences. So I have a little bit of a different feeling on this. I think we should expand to 32 teams and either have four or eight divisions that matter and then meld everything together. I think it's silly that you play four games against Western Conference teams and two games against Eastern Conference teams. The travel's not that bad. If you're in Miami or LA, it's worse, but for most of us, it's not. The league should be making most of decisions. Um... But it's an interesting question. If we drop to 72 games, would the Stars play all 72 or would they suddenly just play 64? I don't love the NBA's idea that they're floating around that we're going to make end-of-league things tied to games played because I think John Hollinger pointed out guys will just come in, play five minutes, two minutes, and tap out. Um, The other thing I think is a big misnomer on all this is that it's the players that want to sit out, frankly, more often than not. It's the teams that want the players to sit out because they're worried about their investment, not the player. I think that's it. How many players have been traded to Utah and been named All-Stars their first season with the franchise? It's a great question. I think it's two right now. I can't think of anyone else uh, other than Mike Conley and Lowry Markin, but that's an incredible testament to the Jazz and maybe the environment and why players play well here. Ryan Smith talks about he wants the players' best times to be here. It's an interesting concept. Uh, Would you rather a one-on-one contest, uh, eight teams of three, First to 11 win a bracket challenge or horse competition be added to an all-star game. Um, So do I want three on three, which actually is trademarked, and I don't think the NBA can do it, by the way, just to let you know. Um, One-on-one or horse. I would like a one-on-one contest. I think it would be awesome. Short games, one-on-one, let guys battle. Probably don't want to do it because of injury risk. Um, But I think one-on-one would be honest. Giannis versus Nikola Jokic one-on-one for the title would be the greatest thing ever. Would you walk me through how a buyout works? So the Lakers already paid most of Russ's salary for the year. In other words, is there less than half the season left? Yeah, so there's 20 games left on Russ's contract at this point. Somebody's going to give Russ some amount of money. The Jazz are likely going to get pay out Russ minus that amount of money or pay him for the rest of the thing, and then Russ gets to double dip. The big thing, though, is the Jazz can't really buy out Russ until Russ knows where he's going. What, what, what Russ and his agent don't want is for the Jazz to buy out Russ, and then Russ has nowhere to go. That would be bad. Um, and then Russ has got to figure out where he wants to go and, and what he wants to do. So there's just been a lot of time given to it, I think, appropriately and respectfully on both sides. Super questions. I saw a lot more came in right at the very end, and I wasn't able to get to those. Um, and I apologize to um, uh, Michael Nielsen. Asked a bunch of questions about reducing games. And Andrew uh, asked some questions about uh, the best kind of NBA, who's the best team in the West. Uh, Maybe I'll get to those next Friday. Uh, I'll probably be back with you next Thursday. Let's take a quick look at points gained as we head to the All-Star break. Um, I have not, I've run the numbers, but I have not sorted. So I'm going to be doing this with you for the first time. The number one points gained player in the NBA right now is Nikola Jokic at 4.3. Kevin Durant's at 4.1, which is a great reminder that once he starts playing, Phoenix becomes great. Steph Curry's at 3.7. Points gained is the amount of points you score above the league average player using the same amount of uh, scoring opportunities you use in a given day. So you use X amount of scoring opportunities. In the case of Nikola Jokic, it's 20, 
It's 18 a game, and he scores 4.3 points above the league average in those 18 possessions. Um, so his team's plus 4.3 is incredible. We usually have three players above three right now. We have five, Jokic, Durant, Curry, Embiid, and Lillard. And then we usually have about 10 players above two. We have Lowry Markin is six, Zion seven, Demontis Sabonis eight, Rudy Gobert nine, Shea Gilgis Alexander 10, Nick Claxton, Thomas Bryant, Jared Allen, and Anthony Davis are all over two. Luca's at 1.8. This number, you can decide what you think about it, but frankly, like non-dunking centers, here's the order. Nikola Jokic, Kevin Durant, Steph Curry, Joel Embiid, Dame Lillard, Lowry Markkinen, Zion Williamson, Demonis Sabonis, Shea Gilgis Alexander, Anthony Davis, Luka Doncic. <laughs> Excuse me. Seems pretty legit right there. Aaron Gordon's up pretty high. Boyan Bogdanovich, super high. Uh, Mason Plumley's a 1.7. He's a dunking center, but it's interesting. Donovan's had a great year. He's at 1.6. Um, Jason Tatum star at 1.5. James Harden, 1.3. Bradley Beal, 1.2. Um, so all super great. Uh, bottom of the barrel, uh, Dylan Brooks is the least efficient player in all the NBA at minus three. It's killing them. Killian Hayes minus 2.8. Russ minus 2.7. Kelly Oubre minus 2.6. Terry Rozier minus 2.5. Traveling Queen has the best name in the league, but he's a minus 2.2 in nine minutes a night. Um, Paulo Boncaro is down to minus two. Not a big deal with the rookie, but when you're RJ Barrett and you're minus 1.9, it's a problem. LaMelo at minus 1.9 is a little strange this year. Jalen Green, 1.9 in the second year is a little disconcerting. Jabari Smith, minus 1.8 is not disconcerting because um, he's a rookie and that kind of just happens. Uh, Tim Hardaway Jr. is minus 1.6, which I think is a large reason why Dallas has suddenly moved from, you know, where they were to a 500 team. is He's hurting them. He's basically negating Luka every night. Like, the thing this league is still short on is that negative offensive players are so utterly detrimental. For the Utah Jazz at the All-Star break, here's what, or with 20 games to go as we head down the home stretch uh, and we've made our changes. Here's what the Jazz look like from a points gain standpoint. Uh, Markkinen 2.9, Kessler 1.4, Alinek 1.1, Sexton 0.9. That's so good for a guard. Uh, Ochai Abaji 0.3. That's great for a rookie. Jordan Clarkson, minus 0.7. Rudy Gay, minus 1.1. Leandro Balmero, minus 1.1. And Taylor Horton Tucker, minus 1.3. Somebody asked, and I, I must have just missed the question about Taylor Horton Tucker. <clears throat> He's only 20. They were like, what am I missing? He's only 22 years old. No, exactly. No, you're not missing anything. He's only 22 years old. He's played kind of a weird career where he went to LA to compliment, as he talks about it, like your job at that point is to compliment AD and LeBron and to, and to build your game in that manner. And so he's trying to build a brand new game. He's not a good shooter, right? He's a 27% career three-point shooter. And until he figures that out, quite frankly, that's like a wart that's going to be hard to overcome. But in the last five games since Mike's been traded, he's averaging 14 points, four rebounds, seven assists. He's playing really well. Like it's really exciting to watch him at 26 minutes a game be able to try to figure out what he is and how he plays and develop. And it's absolutely outstanding. Absolutely outstanding um, to see. All right, final thing. Who's the hottest player in the NBA as we head to the break? And that is... Kristaps Przingis hasn't played enough. Luka, Dame Lillard, Jamal Murray, Nikola Jokic. Jamal Murray in there, pretty interesting to see. He hasn't played a lot of games. He was sitting out some of them. But I think Jamal Murray will be huge after the break. Probably Denver's the favorite. See ya. Thank you. Have a great time. We'll talk to you Thursday.